Hello everybody. Good morning from BCB Berlin. I'm standing here with Diego. You can hear from the background atmosphere that we are on the show floor. Hi Diego, first of all. Hey man, nice to be here as usual. It's packed. It's only 11.30 in the morning and you can see people already uh, enjoying themselves. So it's awesome to be here. We met some nice people from the Agave world and we thought we'd do a little BCB special. We are trying to get some impressions from Agave lovers all over the show. And we do like a, like a super cut of them. So we do like five, ten minute pieces and cut them together and uh, that will be your BCB special. We'll see who we get and uh, you can enjoy. With yeah, us. good luck for us. Good luck for us. <laughs> We are now in Hall 18 at the booth of Sun Cosme and we have one of the owners, I understand, right? Gernot Alnoch is here with us. Hello, Gernot. Hi. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you. Gernot, how is it to be under people again? Honestly, it's really great. I mean, after one year or more than one year not being able to communicate person to person, it's great to be back on, on the field, let's say it like that, and it's amazing how many people are here and, and feel exactly the same. It's just, it's just a great feeling and uh, the organization is really good as well. Very good. So San Cosme, tell us a little bit about what you're doing here and what you're exhibiting here. So we are probably oldest mezcal brands in Germany already. We're on the market now since it's the 10th year. So it's a 10 year. Is your 10th BCB? 10 year on the market. Let's say it like this. I think it's the 10th. Actually, it's the 10th BCB a year, right? Uh. And uh, well, for us, it's uh, meeting, meeting our friends, uh, meeting our clients. That's the first thing. But as every year since uh, four years now, we are presenting a, a, a new version that we have, kind of like we have a small side project. It's called San Cosme Artesano. And uh, this is what we're presenting as well this and, year. And, and what is the San Cosme Artesano? The San Cosme Artesano is compared to the base product that we have, which is a normal agave spadin. We call it like the battle product. It's, it's good for mixology. Four years ago, we decided to go kind of like the next step and uh, exclude the wild-growing agaves in a small sub-project that we call San Cosme Artesano. And the idea behind it is that we take every year, we buy a batch from a Maestro Mescalero, and this is the batch, that's the only batch that it has. It's not produced two times, it's just one batch between 500 and 1,500 liters, and to release it under San Cosme Artesano. The greater idea is actually to travel around Mexico and all of the nine regions and buy one batch every year and say, okay, this okay. is the diversity, what mezcal can be. This is what we want to show. Okay, with the so Sankos you're not, not just working in Oaxaca. You're going to be working all around the country. Yes. That's yes. awesome. The second one actually was already the try because the second version that at the end was a little bit of a catastrophe, but for instance, from Durango. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, this year we had to take one of uh, from Oaxaca again because it was just so amazingly good. It's a tepestate. Okay. Um, Maybe we have some. <laughs> of, <laughs> uh, of course. We will have some, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but next year we are already kind of like facing one in San Luis Potosí or, or Zacatecas. Uh. Okay. Okay, okay. May, may I ask why was a catastrophe? Are you are you able to tell, or <laughs> are you better better keep under the shroud of secrecy? Yeah, it was a catastrophe because it was not really fully released because like. In the negotiation process, suddenly the owner of the palenque changed, and so we just got half of the half of the product. And 
a little bit complicated. Yeah. Complicated. Uh, that's uh, the right word. It yeah, was yeah, a little yeah. bit complicated. So, but the product was fantastic yeah. and still is. Great. <laughs> we'll have some of that. Yeah, we have some of it for sure. So, uh, BCB. What do you expect out of it? What are your hopes and fears? What is your outlook? Maybe then we should have a little bit of a, a broader picture. I actually like the BCB, the setup. I mean, we have to tell that we are now in a new venue it's not Gleistrack anymore but we are here in Messe yeah. um, it's it's much smaller because kind of like the BCB as well is doing a trial yeah, uh, they, it was unsure a long time if they will if, if it will take place or not at the end of the day it takes place but the for us positive result is that there's no big brand so there's no Diageo there's no Pinot Ricard no one is here saying okay good well is it good or is it bad for us for the small brands at the end it's good because why is it good because the people who are here and this is what we notice they're really taking their time and they want to explore more so this is what I really realized on a normal BCB the big brands they attract the people the people stay there and they get really drunk but here it's a lot of experience it's very familiar um, so that's good and what I'm expecting well at the end is more brand awareness still and seeing the booths actually for me the positive thing what I'm taking already now is that we have got I think five or at least six mezcal brands here Correct. which is great this is awesome because every mezcal brand every mezcal and every mezcal brand has its own fans its own specialities and I mean we are Mezcal ambassadors. I'm the owner of Mezcal San Cosme. We can represent this and represent this, but I'm a Mezcal lover, so every Mezcal is just simply different, but great. And, and this it's is such what a we're small category for. that everyone working in the category is helping a little to make a bigger way for the rest of us. So, so the, it, that's basically the most important about being, even though the festival is much smaller, I think the most important is that the Mezcal community still wanted to be present and we're still in diapers, but we're pushing as hard as possible to communicate and educate and create a, in the mind of people who ignore mezcal a little idea of what you can find in this beautiful drink. Yeah, and uh, that's why I'm saying like it's really cool that, as said, we've got still maybe 10 or 15 gin brands here, if not more. But out of that, five mezcal brands, it's insane. It's super yeah, good. Yeah. It's super good and very good mezcals, really. So, so this is the expectation that at yeah. the end we get out here and the people realize that the category is coming more and more and it's diverse and that we're not against each other. We are with each other and for each other because we're pushing the category together. And as somebody said, like there's enough space under the sun. You've got fans everywhere. And if there's more mezcal, the more people can explore it and the more people can... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The, oh. the, the, the fact that the category grows helps each one of let alone us, the producers, you know, because in the end we're working with families back in Mexico who really need the category to grow because it's not just like buying uh, one thing and, and then forgetting about the family. If you can make a compromise and help the family and then it becomes a system, and that's what's important, that the category as itself grows internationally to benefit every single segment of the chain producing no, I completely agree, and uh, and what you said as well, Diego, is the same. At the end, there's most 90% of the cases we've got small families behind it, and that's what we're here for as well. It's mine putting a focus on the ones that are not that lucky, and they, they, they can live with and from the mezcal, and now even better, which is really good. If we take Oaxaca, it's a structure from the from the infrastructure, it's pretty poor. They don't have they have a little bit of tourism, 
And now they have the chance with Mezcal to grow and to, to be a little bit wealthier and to have a better future for their children. So this is what we always should bear in mind as well, what, what we're doing here. It's not only the liquid, which is great, but it's the, the picture should be a little bit bigger. Correct. So when are you going to Mexico next? Um, I just got the information uh, from my partner, Eric, that I have to be on site uh, in six weeks again. Okay. Ah, <laughs> so, nice for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice end, of, uh, end of November, I'm going, I'm going to be back in Mexico. And actually, it will be the second time this year already. So it's back to normal rhythm. Usually, I'm there in spring and in, uh, in November. So I'm, I'm back on, uh, on the, in the Palenque in, in November. And where, where in Mexico are you going? The company is based in Mexico City, uh, but we're, we're, we're always on site. No, no, we're going to be on site in, in Santiago Matatlan. Ah, okay, 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 okay. Oaxaca, okay. so five or six days in, in Oaxaca. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool. So thank you, Gernot. We, we wrap this up here, but I think we must have you on the show for a bit of a longer conversation. We cannot go very deep and you have guests lining up and you have to take care of, of your booth. But thank you for taking the time and talk to you soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, mate. Thank you, guys. Thanks. So hello everybody, we are back. Uh, another guest, uh, we have Ioannis Sideromenos, is that correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's correct. Ioannis, just tell us about the brands you're uh, representing at BCB. I'm here with uh, Spectra Distribution, so basically uh, we represent uh, Casa Cortez, mm -hmm. uh, which basically part of the portfolio is Restra Soledad and El Jorjorio, regarding the wild agave, uh, but also the new expression of uh, Assis Cortez, uh, which is uh, basically the origin race, uh, mezcal coming from Durango. We are very happy to be here and uh, represent this category. So, Yanis, what do you do when you're not at BCB? Well, I'm working for a company in uh, the Netherlands. I'm kind of the activation manager for this company and uh, we work with different brands, not only Mezcal, but Mezcal is my focus. Uh, so, I'm taking care of some uh, master classes in Amsterdam, taking care of events and uh, trying to keep people happy and share my knowledge about the category. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes, <laughs> pretty much. Well, That's you're it. working for, for, for uh, great brands, man. Honestly, they have great liquid, so, so it's interesting. No, you, you can have a passion when you're working for a company you believe in, no? or, or, or at least when you're selling something you know is good. Yes, exactly. Like I mean, I always I used to work behind the bar for almost 20 years, and I worked between London, uh, Rome, Athens, and uh, later in Amsterdam before to get this job as an activation yeah. manager. And honestly, uh, for me, it was never a job. Uh, so I follow my passion, and uh, my passion for agave it's big. Mm. Uh, so I'm very happy to, to to be part of this and uh, to showcase everything we have. Yeah, great. So you are bringing some new spirits, right? First time in uh, this time you're ex exhibiting, exhibiting them. Sorry, it's, yes, it's uh, early and I'm already uh, falling over my words. So. Yes, as you know, Casa Cortez is a long time in the market. So of course we work with Nuestra Soledad and we try to showcase how agave espadin can be uh, the terroir agave espadin, how it can be different from uh, different villages. Mm. Uh, but also uh, it was very nice to have with us Origen Raiz, which is a new project, as I told you before, of Assis, and we have with us unfortunately only this. And the Pechuga. We didn't manage to get the Chacaleño because it went sold out. But it's something really nice, and uh, yeah, I invite everybody to come and taste it because yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing, uh, amazing stuff. The spirit itself is very oily because you know the plant is struggling itself very much to grow, but it's, it's quite unique. Uh, it's a beautiful project uh, that connects Durango with Oaxaca, and this is a great thing about the Mezcal also that different areas come together, and the industry and all this, what we're doing, is coming together slowly, slowly. How is it for you to be on the people again, like uh, having a bar show like with yeah. hundreds you, you and thousands have, you, of people? You have a job where you you interact a lot with people and then 
you got shut down for a year. You couldn't see people. You had so so. How is it? How do you feel after the the lockdown is out and now you can restart, like rebuilding everything? And how how does that feel? Yeah, man? I'm going to kind you that was very difficult year uh, without uh, bar shows and of course all the events we're doing. From the other side, it was a year that uh, was very constructive because we managed to find a different way of work. We did a lot of things online. Of course, we prefer to do everything live and to be in the shows. Absolutely. But I I, I will say that. This year gave us something, a different way of thinking, a different way of working the products, a different respect and appreciation of what we're doing this moment. So I appreciate much more now a bar show than two years ago. I think all of us. Man. It's yeah. crazy. I think everybody's like thankful that we are, when before it was like, okay, I'm going to go and, and, and I'm going to be super tired after this. Right now everybody's like, I want that to happen, you know. I, I need to be out and see people and I don't care if I'm weared out after mm -hmm. the show, so... It's really, I think it happened to a lot of people this. That yeah, and uh, I, I think you will agree with me. Uh, you know, this industry is very intense. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that Corona time, uh, at least from the first uh, part, uh, we enjoyed also a bit because we was able to be home. We was able to go to sleep early. We was able not to have all these tastings that... Uh, you know, it brings you also to uh, to be tired and uh, very exhausted. But I think a year was more than enough. So very happy to be back and very happy to be here with you guys and take yeah. some great spirits. Uh. What are your expectations from BCB? Your personal expectation? Uh, honestly, it was my it's my first BCB. Uh, I did uh, almost all the bar shows in Europe, but it was always something to do the last years. I think that it's a great show. I believe it's a great place to showcase actually what you're doing. And yes, yeah, beautiful city also, so great to be with the community. About the category we work, uh, yesterday was my first uh, day behind the stand, and the people, it's the first time in a show that so many people knows about mezcal, and so many people knows about the different categories of agave. So for me, it was like uh, really nice to see that, because if you think four years ago, nobody, nobody. knew, nobody nobody. knew about it. Nobody. Uh, no. And it's very nice for, from this. We were just talking to Gernot from Sam Cosme, and uh, he was saying something that I'm sure you will relate to. In this show, maybe there is, I don't know how many gin brands, how many rum brands, but there is six or more mezcal stands. Even though the show is much smaller than other years, mezcal is still pushing and pushing. We're the smallest. The category is still the very smallest, but still pushing and going. So it's really important that we see in BCB that your work, my work, the work of those guys is still pushing and the train is moving. Exactly. I never saw Mezcal as a brand. I never saw Mezcal, even I've worked for certain brands, as you know, I never saw it as a business. Uh, I believe it's a great category. I believe it's a great spirit. Uh, honestly, I believe that back in the days, uh, I have 41 years old now. Believe me, 20 years ago, you didn't have good Mezcal in Europe. No. Uh, so I think this is something very important that we have the possibility to have that spirit in Europe and it's very difficult for someone not to appreciate if you have actually people that they represent this category in a proper way. And as you said, first of all, respect to the people that are back in Mexico, respect to that plans, respect to uh, sustainability that we can make it happen and be able to have wild agaves and have wild plants for a uh, long, long time. Exactly. One question left. 
When are you going to Mexico? Uh, last year, but with Corona didn't happen. So I hope this year, March, it's my birthday. I, I believe I'm going to go to visit the distilleries in Oaxaca. Yeah, to, Great to, month to go. To smell uh, the cooked agave when I yeah, wake yeah. up in the morning. <laughs> it's something I'm really looking forward to, guys. So, thank you, Johannes. Thanks for your time and uh, for having this conversation with us. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, when you are in Amsterdam, in the Netherlands, I will be very happy to bring you around to show you the mezcal bars we have. We have great mezcal bars. And I think that we have a great market of mezcal uh, in the Netherlands. I and might be there in uh, December, actually. So. Beautiful. <laughs> we hope we see you there then. <laughs> we see you there. Thank you. Ciao, Thank ciao. you, Ernest. Ciao. Bye-bye. Right. Cheers. Hello and welcome this morning to the last day of PTB. Uh, as you can hear on our voices, uh, we partied a little bit last night. But uh, this morning we have a treat. We have somebody who is very knowledgeable as a researcher and scientist of agave, but also a business person in the agave world. Uh, so we're speaking with a giant today, Dr. Ivan Saldana. I hope. Blatten. Thank you for the, the description. Ivan, first time in Berlin or? Coming to BCB is my fifth year. Your fifth year, okay. And yeah. first time you probably you were with with Montelobos, I I guess, right? The, the first time it was with Montelobos. That's right. Tell us a little bit about that. You're one of the persons who started small and you scaled up big. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I, I think size is always relative. Montelobos is maybe the number fifth brand in terms of volume in the world. I mean, the number one brand makes seven times what Montelobos does. Uh, it's a green bottle. A lot of people yes. know that brand. Yeah. So, and you are talking about a category that is around 1.2% of the entire spirits category in the world. It's really, really tiny. That's important first to, to mention. But one of the fastest growing categories for sure. That, that's mezcal and agave spirits in general. There's been a revitalization of the tequila growth in the during covid was crazy i mean the industry growth 60% one year after the other but our experience has been that through the development of of uh, montelobos we started in 2010 and then we launched in 2012 finally and we were well selling our brand we we did it in mexico in the US and in Europe, something also quite interesting because most of the successful brands, or let's say all of the successful brands in Mexico, are quite irrelevant in the US, and the opposite is also true. What is relevant in the US is almost in existence in Mexico, with very few exceptions. And those that maybe are present in those markets are not necessarily big. So in our case, we wanted to make a Mexican mezcal brand that was also successful in the U.S. And well, we, we as I explained, we occupied like the number fourth, fifth place mm. in all markets. Mm. Uh, there's other brands that are number one in their market, but they generally are not present in others. Well, for me, it was very fundamental experience. The first brand I developed in terms not only of product, product I had a previous experience, I'm a biologist, uh, specialized in agave, and then I work in Pernod Ricard. I learned to distill with them. Uh, I became the technical director in Mexico until I wasn't happy anymore because the circumstances and the ideas at the moment of what to develop, what not to develop, who should lead the conceptualization, creation of products, well, was not in the hands of people that were really knowledgeable about spirits. 
So I left, and then is when I had the opportunity to start Montelobos with two partners who had already an experience in the tequila world, and uh, a tequila called Milagro that they sold. They were not really knowing much about the liquid itself. Their expertise were elsewhere in the packaging, in the strategy, in negotiation. And my role was to develop, create, conceptualize Montelobos as a liquid, and then interact with them to make a brand, let's say. Uh, your stand is the Casa Lumbre stand at, at BCB. Yes. Tell us about a bit that, because you're not only representing Mezcal. Absolutely. So one thing we realized uh, early uh, was that we wanted to do more than one brand and that we had the capacities and the passion for having a look into what's biologically, culturally and sensorially valuable in Mexico in order to project that into the spirits industry. Uh, well, the next project was Ancho Reyes, which was a Ancho Chile Liqueur, and Poblano Chile Liqueur, let's say, is a brand. And I started long time ago also researching corn. It took us seven years to launch Abasolo, uh, that now is what we are presenting in this fair, mostly. So it's Together a, a corn-based whiskey, right? Exactly, uh, yeah. corn-based whiskey. So the company, on one side, has developed like uh, a lot of R&D capabilities. I mean, I have very large collections of Mexican plants in multiple forms, macerated, distilled. Yeah, I mean, we can access to that in the lab. We have a lot of things, multiple people working in different things. We will be creating more innovation in the future. That's on the product side. And then Casalumbre also became a successful incubator because it's hard to create an authentic, unique, product but it's even harder to make it successful in the market and we learn about that and now we are trying to take all those learnings and systematize them so we have a company in new york now called casalumbre us who builds up brands exclusively for our brands uh, we have a partnership in europe with Eli smith who is the people i came here who they help us to enter into different european markets And we have a company in Mexico called Alquimia, who also does the incubation of our brands in the Mexican market. So we have a, a commercial side. We also have developed other capabilities. For example, we are really strongly related in agriculture. We are in a process of expanding the different varieties and, and certifications of Espadín, Tobalá, and other agaves, even offering to other brands. And we have an agricultural project there. Uh, we are learning to domesticate Dacilirion, Sotol, because so far everybody's using it wild, so we have a project to domesticate Dacilirion. We are investigating oak trees, for example. Mexico has the largest uh, diversity of oak in the world and hasn't explored really, so nobody has been using barrels coming from oak, for example. Mm -hmm. So we have that part too. And finally, we also have services for third parties, entrepreneurs that comes to us and they need or help. We have a, a within the Casa Lumbre group a company that will help others to to develop brands and then they will manage them and do everything but we can help that. So through putting the different talents of the team together now when we started we were three people and the assistant and now we are close to 300 people in the company so through that we are able to come with innovation and sale sales product Uh, incubate them, which is very different than the kind of sales big distributor does because mm. it's really about educating. And also we help the economy of the project by helping others 
someone needs a tequila, someone needs something, we, we can develop for them, is their product, is their thing. Yeah. I have a quick question. When you mentioned that you are investigating the plants, is, is because you have fields, like the Casalumbre also owes land where you're investigating, or how do you do the investigation? Like, for example, the oak uh, or, the, or the agave? Now I'm, I'm investigating oak. In the lab? In the lab. Mm. Okay, it's, everything is in Eventually, the lab. Eventually, we would love to, to, I mean, this. it's better to buy the wood And most in Mexico, most of the sources of wood are not private land. They are owned by organized groups of communities, mostly. Comunidades. Yeah, yeah. and that, that are organized and they have to have certain regulations. Okay. But, yeah. okay. But oak is a subject, just like corn is interesting for me, oak is interesting for okay, me. Okay, 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 okay. Because a lot of things are aged, right? Okay. Yeah, of course. And, uh, for example, for the mezcales... That's also the same question, the same direction. Uh, the land, you, you basically use community land to plant the agaves and you buy the we agaves. We kind of organized, we are putting, connecting the needs of clients, which are our brands mostly, but also could be others, uh, with the supply, with the best agricultural practices possible. For example, okay. Montelobos is obliged to use organic agave and there's not really a market for it. So we are seeing this as an opportunity to ensure raw material that is in a better, with no so much fluctuation of price, so it's fair for the brand and it's fair for the grower, because right now it's a lot of speculation, plus the possibility of following certain agricultural practices. So we have a company called Mezcales Artesanales Casalumbre that does that. Uh, also, we have been investing a lot in developing engineer, like keeping the palenque absolutely artisanal, but helping with small things like how you can make work for the, the worker easier. Uh, and now we are even in capacity of helping others to build a distillery anytime they want, because we have a team of engineering to improve or to build a distillery to a client, an external client, uh, for mostly for mezcal. Okay, okay. What I hear from you is, maybe I'm, I'm asking it wrong, but is it kind of your vision to use the Mexican biodiversity and, and create something out of it, something that, that can be internationally recognized? Is, is that kind of your exactly. vision? Exactly, yeah, the, the inspiration, the passion that brought Casalubre into existence when we realized Montelobos was really cool. But what about all the other opportunities is the possibility of sharing with the world this extraordinary heritage. And we always talk about three dimensions, the cultural, the biological, and the sensorial. Those three things are fundamental, and, and we think Mexico has a lot to offer still. And, well, there's multiple projects that are trying to explore that. Sometimes some ideas, some products doesn't have a, a, a commercial space yet. It's extremely complicated to share, to sell, and to express. So. We, we have to wait a little, but, but we are trying to be ahead and, and already explore things. Very good. One stupid question from me, you know, I'm always the guy who knows the least on the table. You have the Ojo del Tigre product here, which is an artisanal mezcal. Yes. These guys, they always tell me, you know, when you want artisanal mezcal, you have to look for high ABV, at least hmm. 40 something percent. You're more in the lower end. And is that... Do you do that because it, is it a taste decision or has it to do that you want to scale the product and, and it's easier, of course, if you have a low ABV, you can 
you can produce more of the product. Yeah. No, so I, I give you my answer. Well, as you know, I made Montelobos. Montelobos goes up to 48%. Montelobos is range between 43 and 48%. The definition of artisanal is a little bit of uh, arbitrary and depends who you ask. Even the law is arbitrary because there's a definition of what is artisanal mezcal in the mezcal law. And proof is one element. For sure, historic taste mezcal, so mezcal that was originally consumed and produced in the Palenques, used to be higher proof and is still higher proof when you go to towns and places. The proof in which most modern society drinks alcohol is lower. And in that sense, yeah, Ojo de Tigre may claim it's artisanal because the methods of production are faithful to artisanal mezcal, but cannot claim it's, it's a traditional or a historic taste mezcal whatsoever. Understood. Because yeah. the proof has been modified with the idea of providing an experience that is more easy to understand for the consumer that is not used to higher proof. Okay. levels uh, in a product that is already very expressive and intense in its flavor. Mm. So, yeah, it's artisanal just in the extent of the methods of productions, uh, in the extent of, uh, I mean, the production of the mezcal itself is just as artisanal as any other, but when the proofing comes, the decision has been made in the quest of inviting consumers to taste mezcal instead of keeping uh, a traditional proof. Okay. I think we should wrap it up. We've stolen enough of your time. Maybe one last question. How was BCB for you and what do you see next? Uh, the next steps? Are you optimistic? Uh, pessimistic? Uh, look, I always like to come here. It's my favorite fair because it's very product oriented. This has been quiet, more quiet than others, but I'm happy to see a lot of people, I think, in terms of distributors, a lot were here. In terms of brands, exposing themselves was a little bit more limited but was a great opportunity also for those that actually came because we got the attention of, of the assistants in a more uh, primordial way so yeah was really good. I think we will need to steal one hour more of your time. This 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 yeah, was too short, you mate. Want, happy. We will contact you. That's for sure because it's really the way you started the conversation and everything. I know you because I've seen you a couple of times. But uh, the, your understanding of mezcal as a liquid and the industry would be very interesting to go a bit deeper. We I'm don't have happy. the time. Anytime today, you want, we do okay. it by Skype yeah. or something. Exactly, yes. exactly, exactly. Cool. Thank you for this time. You're welcome. Uh, Yeah, so thanks for this my, sample. My pleasure. Yeah, exactly. For We're this gonna sample. have a flight uh, in the in one one of the next couple next couple of weeks. That would be wonderful. Thank you, okay. Ivan, for your time. You're welcome. Gracias, Ivan. So uh, we are almost in the last stretch of PCB. Probably our last interview. We are at the booth of Pacific and Lime, who is representing the brand Noble Coyote. We have two guests here: Bernardo coming from Mexico. Hi, Bernardo, and Niksha from Munich. And of course, Diego is here with me. Hey, Albert, how are you, man? Nice to be here again. Oh, I'm tired, man. Uh, you guys, tell us a little bit about uh, your booth, Pacific and Lime, Noble Coyote, who you are. Hello, my name is Niksha, and um, representing Pacific and Lime. We are a general importer of Noble Coyote here in uh, Europe, and also partner of Noble Coyote with my friend Bernardo and we are really happy to be here at this uh, exhibition. Um, best part was to meet the Mezcal guys who are bringing Mezcal to Germany and Europe. They are really kind and uh, they stand behind the product and the culture. 
and also to see how mezcal as a category is now really getting attention and desire. That's what makes us happy here. And it was really funny on today. So you have everything. You have people from the bar scene, importers, managers, different view and aspects. But when they taste it, they start dreaming and that's the funny thing. And then you talk and you have a good conversation. I was also very surprised. We also have a stand. The festival is way smaller than other years. But the quantity of expositors in the agave world still grew. Yeah, Bernardo, it's your first first BCB, right? So my, <laughs> my first BCB, and it's been a really nice surprise, as you were saying, to see the category growing so much. Uh, here in the BCB, it's really gratifying to be walking around and seeing so many mezcal boots, and all of them are the fullest. No, it's, you you can see that everyone is Best looking spirit, for it. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You walk around, you see many like some 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 boots are empty. When you see the big group of people, it's a, probably a mezcal boot. No? <laughs> people are really excited. and It's funny you know, that uh, we exported for the first time to Germany four years ago. And talking to Nixa and talking to other people we knew, like very few people know about mezcal in Germany. And now it's amazing to see that everyone knows what it is. It's out there and it's growing. And it still happened in Mexico. Uh, Many thought it was a trend, and it's not a trend. It's a culture, and the culture is growing. Very good. You almost did like a, a summary of the show, but what's next for you? What are you going to do next? Well, we are trying to grow in the most organic way possible. We don't want to lower our quality. We love working batch for batch. And for me, personally, one of my goals is to know the world through the mezcal, through the coyote. And we're getting there. I've been to... Uh, five countries now, thanks to the Mezcal, and I would love to keep going to Europe, grow to Latin America, which is something that sometimes is hard due to the complexity of our demographic situation and <laughs> cultural. And yeah, yeah, it's complicated. Uh -huh, but going to Latin America uh, would be for me a, a nice goal, growing organically there. So maybe also the next step, what you asked, uh, we prepared for this uh, BCB, our new ensemble. This is a batch where we have looked into the market for the last years to understand how you enter price-wise, but in a good quality. Because many times, um, if you go in a bar, they have to calculate so much that the espadine, what you get, sometimes you can't really enjoy by itself. It's more in a cocktail then. On the other hand, we also want to bring people to the wild agave, but in a sustainable way, which means you're not making 100% wild agave. You give them components of this taste already, And this is our ensemble, Espadin Tobala. And on the shop, for example, for um, end customers on the pacificandlime.com, they can get it for 55 euros already. So I think here we already achieved a good approach. And that's uh, one of the big steps we did now for the European market. Absolutely. I, I agree on, on everything you said. I also want to agree on the fact that the uh, little mini agave community we have on this side of the ocean It's pretty cool. It's small, it's small, but nobody's jealous of one another. People are really, at least until now, you know, and if we grow, somebody's going to... Wait till next year. And yeah. And yeah. No, 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 not, not immediately, but until now, what I have seen, my experience until now, the community in the agave world is small, but everyone is serious about what they're doing and not jealous about what the others are doing. And I think that is partially because the category is so small that whatever 
you guys are doing is benefiting me. Whatever I am doing is benefiting you because, as we say in Mexico, we're making the camino. You know, we're, mm. we're, there is no not a, a paved road yet. So we're all opening with a machete. We're creating the road for the mezcal to try and enter in a bigger dimension. Yeah, if, if one mezcal brand grows, uh, the category grows. Exactly. Right. And there's also some responsibility behind how you grow and say like organic and keeping the quality because you know the big who see the hungry guys they want sometimes to go another way but this is the good spirit here. Absolutely. For uh, one of objective for next BCB is to bring Maestro Eleazar here. That would be wonderful. No, and have him amazing. talk about the, uh, the production and everything. Yeah, the real deal. That the would be deal. amazing. We did this in New York right before the pandemic and it was an amazing experience to, to have the real producer talk, no? Because you walk around here and you don't see a real producer, no? No, 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 no. Like, being honest, we're middlemen and it's good. It's good to have Mexicans here talking about it, but having the true maestro here would be an experience we would never forget. Yeah, his hands are the, the real deal, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are missing that a little bit on, on our show as well, so that would be, we're definitely going to be here and do an interview with him, even if we have to simul-translate, doesn't matter. Correct, yes, yes, yes. Do you have any partner that speaks Spanish? <laughs> you, you tell me, so I don't know. <laughs> Albert can speak Spanish. Albert is learning Spanish. He wants to go to Mexico. I want to go to Mexico. So, guys, we are wrapping this up. This was BCB. And also, we did a little play because we have pretended that uh, we don't know Bernardo and Niksha, but actually before we uh, all went together here, we recorded a long, long episode where we are nerding out about everything, about infusion, the history of Moscow, botanicals, growing. So really deep conversation. And this is what we're going to publish next after this episode. So look out for these two guys. We had a very interesting talk. I'm sure you will enjoy. If you enjoyed this little special you will enjoy this next episode as well so thank you guys thank yeah you. thank you guys for real thank you for thank the, you too. both both interviews and maybe to add this if someone listens to this podcast mezcal is very deep and complex and it's like always a way and i think this podcast elixir of the gods is like the best mezcal you can try just <laughs> listen it it's crazy thank, thank you, you guys thank you. That's very kind. thank you very very much thank you albert thank you diego thank you nixa it's been a pleasure okay let's have a drink <laughs> <laughs>